One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. His mermaid tails. He's got about ten. Slips one on, sits in the pool, flapping his tail, and I walk about with a cane, telling him what an idiot he looks. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for joining me for my brand spanking new podcast, With Mon, the series where we chat with some of the most extraordinary people on the planet and explore fascinating topics. I'm your host, Monica O'Hanlon, and it is my absolute pleasure to be here with you today, not only because your company is a gift, of course, but also because I'm really excited to share with you this interview with an absolute goddess. Her name is Sherry Lever, aka Mistress Sophia, and she is the UK's oldest dominatrix. This was such a wonderful conversation. Sherry was so warm and generous with her time and what she shared. I absolutely loved this chat and I hope you do too. Due to the nature of this conversation, it might not be appropriate for those little ears. If that is the case, now is the time to hit that pause button, maybe come back to this episode a little later or pop on those headphones. I don't want to give too much away, so I think it's best if we just dive straight in. Enjoy. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? (laughs) I'm 72. How does it feel to have the title UK's oldest dominatrix? Like, do you feel proud? Yeah, of course. Um, and, And actually, it's very good for me because... You'd be amazed how many subs like to um, session with an older, a mature dom. So it serves you well. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I know that there's going to be a few people at home, maybe they're not particularly familiar with the term dominatrix. Can you explain what it means to be one? We have the term like BDSM, which is bondage, discipline, dominance, sadism, masochism. And it's all kind of in a big shell um not not everybody follows each thing so being a dom means that it nearly always encompasses domination so anybody that comes to me will come as a submissive i believe in female superiority so so i would never have somebody coming to me a male who is a switch or a dom because I really don't believe in it. And so it's as simple as that, really. They come, they have different kinks, so they will always be submissive. But um, occasionally I'll have somebody who comes to foot worship, but they're not particularly submissive, but they just, their kink is feet. But quite often uh, a submissive and feet go hand in hand. Not quite sure why, but they do. 
So they'll come to me, but they'll have different kinks. But the one thing they have in common is the fact that they're submissive and they look on me as being their superior. Nice one. You just spoke about feet and like different things like that. What kind of services do you offer? It's all on my website. There are things I don't do. So I don't um, offer uh, pegging or body worship or scat or anything that's kind of intrusive to me. I don't do face sitting or queening or any of that. But I do, uh, I offer CBT, which is cock and ball torture, CP, which is corporal punishment, sissification, which speaks for itself. Usually I dress then as uh, a maid and I put them to work. So my house is always clean. (laughs) I do um, role play. So I get quite a few that um, love to be caned. And I've got a 1960s school desk. I've got the um, mortaring gown so I can be the headmistress. I can be a school teacher. I can be uh, an auntie, strict auntie. And they like to go over the desk because it's nostalgic, because that's what happened when they were at school. Younger ones that come to me but want corporal punishment, they like to be on the whipping bench because they've never been caned at school. So, But they still enjoy being whipped or caned, but they want it to be more BDSM than the school thing. Sure. Do you have to be careful? I just think about occupational health and safety there. Like, do you have to, is there things that you have to put in place to ensure it's all safe? Is there techniques? Yeah, absolutely. I do, I do training. Like this, this Saturday, I've got a a training session. There'll be six DOMs. And, um, and one of the biggest things is train, uh, training, teaching caning. It's not a case of just picking up a cane and whacking away. You, you you know, you can't do wraparounds, you can't uh, cane above a certain level, that you have to be careful about the kidney area. If you want to do anything on the back, then you can use a whip, but not not a cane. Safety is paramount, so everything is done safely. And caning is a big thing to teach. It can go horribly wrong. Yeah, I bet. You've been in the industry for a while now. How many How many years is that? Uh, it's about 13, 14. Nice. How did you get into it? Well, I started quite late. Um, I, I kind of started when my ex-husband left. Thank you, by the way, because <laughs> I've never thanked him. <laughs> he, well, once he'd gone, I was, I was working. I was working as a chef at the time. And, um, he left me in a lot of debt. So... I knew I had to find something else to do. And um, the idea was I was going to find something else to do along with. But I knew I couldn't do full-time chefing because it's, it's quite stressful. I was watching the television one night, flicking through the channels. I came across this documentary about phone chat girls. And, and actually, it made me laugh. And uh, I thought, I'd, I could give that a go. So obviously I spoke to my children first and they, they've always been very supportive. They were behind me. So I I actually got in touch with one of the girls that was on the documentary on social media. I found her and she was very helpful. And I started doing that. I did that, I guess, for about three or four years. And while I was doing it, I kind of noticed that 
the majority of calls wanted some sort of domination. And I spoke to my daughter about it and she said, she's the one that's always pushed me to things. And she said, Mum, you're doing it on the phone for peanuts. Why don't you do it for in real life? And so that's kind of how I got started. Of course, when you're doing it on the phone, you can't give out information, you can't take information, and the calls are monitored. So if somebody said, can I, because they started asking, can I book a session? And I would say, I can't give out any, any information and I can't take any information. That covered me. Now, some would say, oh, that's a shame. But others would say, well, I'm going to give it anyway. So I'd be scribbling away. And then afterwards, I would, I would message them. And um, that's how it kind of built up. Then it got to, I just didn't have the time to do the phone work. I didn't have the time to, to do my job. So I started doing it full time. Never looked back. That's an incredible story. How do you jump though? Because you, you mentioned that, you know, you may be doing it on the sly with your clients or your subs. Is that what we say? We say subs or slaves? Yeah, I don't like the word client, really. That always kind of infers something else to me. I don't like it. Sure. You were talking with your subs or slaves or whatever on the phone, and then you were kind of getting their information and contacting them afterwards. Did you start doing it in your house or how does it kind of progress? Because for me, that seems like a big, that would be quite a big leap. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, I started doing it in, my daughter was living at home, but my I've got two sons, one's living with his partner. The other son has moved back since, but it's still fine. So it was just myself and my daughter. So I would do it in the, in my lounge and she'd taken a, course a beauty therapy course and so she had one of these therapy beds and she stopped doing that so I used that to start with um, before I got my big leather one with the cage underneath so I would bring it out and then I'd fix some chains to it and stuff like that I had very little equipment I kind of started on a shoestring as I it sort of built up I'd bring everything out and and then I'd have to put it all away again it was it was a bit of a pain and of course if my daughter if she was doing different shifts then she would if she was due home then she would have to go upstairs which wasn't really very nice for her until I'd finished and so when it when it was getting more kind of uh, I was getting busier this room, it was a conservatory, so I don't call it a dungeon. That's a bit pretentious. I just call it a playroom. But it was full of everything. We never really used it. So I got one of my sleighs, he had a big 4 by 4 to empty it, take it all to the tip. And gradually, I did it all out so that this is my playroom. It's not interfering with anybody else. So, yeah, that's how I started. Um, my very first session, it was somebody that came to me and um, he bought me a present and it was a cane. Well, I'd never done anything like that. I mean, I wasn't even aware that I had any sadistic streak. Oh my God, but I have, I'm a, such a sadist, I, I just love it. But he gave me this cane and asked me, to, would I cane him? I thought, oh my God. So I walked up and down, you know, flashing this cane about and whipping it in the air, hoping that would be enough, but of course it wasn't. And eventually he said, um, are you going to cane me then, mistress? So I got him to bend over the beauty bed 
and this is where training comes in because I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I caned him everywhere, right from down to his back, his bottom, right almost down to his ankles, because that's what he'd asked for. I would never do that now. But of course, uh, I started fairly gently, and I thought, don't know, that's that's uh, not too bad. Got a little bit harder. I found that I what what I actually did. I visualised my ex husband that I was caning him, and that kind of spurred me on. And then I realised that I wasn't even thinking about him anymore. I was just enjoying it, and I loved it. And uh, that was it. There was no turning back. I I read up on it and realised that you know I hadn't been caning very safely. So I just read and read and practiced on a cushion and um and now when I teach I know exactly how to teach and what I'm doing I wish there'd been somebody around then that I could have gone to and said can you teach me so yeah and I find it's I've got a waiting list because you know people are keen to to learn to do it properly absolutely Most of the people that listen are from Australia, but if there was anyone from England listening and thinking that's something that I would like to learn about, is there like, do you have a website that I can direct them to? MistressSophia.co.uk. Usually if you Google Mistress Sophia, I'm at the top and it will take you to it because I'm well known because I've done documentaries, so I'm not hard to find. (laughs) Yeah, you've you've done so much, and I definitely I want to touch on that. I've been on uh, your morning program a couple of times. On your, I don't know what the morning program's called. It's a bit like our this morning. Oh, sunrise is it? It might be. There was a a, a lady and a a guy that interviewed me, so that was twice. So yeah, they were very very nice. Was he bald with glasses? Did he <laughs> koshi? I think he was losing his hair a bit. I'm not sure about the glasses. (laughs) Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How do you go from dabbling in the adult industry? Was it 59 when you first dipped a toe in with the cool girl stuff? And then becoming a full-blown dominatrix and then I guess all this publicity because there is like you said there's so much out there yeah you've been on first dates you've <laughs> recently was it a Romanian cooking show yes all the breakfast shows there's documentaries all over YouTube about you like how did you did you reach out or were you approached um I've been approached mainly uh I was approached by a producer from Romania um I'm I've been approached for I've done quite a few podcasts I did one with Miriam Margulies I loved that that was such fun and I've done um different documentaries like Stacey Dooley Stacey do do you know her over there 
I know her from living here years ago. Love her. I think I, I actually tried to find that documentary because I read that you'd done something with her and I couldn't find it. I feel like, is it maybe on iPlayer or something? I've got to, I've got to write that down though. It's on, you can find it on, you, you can find it on YouTube. Stacey Dooley Sleeps Over. It's on there. Um, and then I did one with Kathy Burke, who is, um, she's now producing a lot. So, um, yeah, I've kind of done quite a bit. So cool. Like it just, it sounds like such a colourful career and it hasn't like, you know, like it's when a lot of people are retiring, like yours, at least in this sense, is like really coming into its own and flourishing, which I think is so inspiring. Oh, I'd hate to retire. I've done some theatre work and I'm hoping to do some more as well. A friend of mine is a writer and director and she's, she wrote a play called um, Women of Pensionable Rage and w one of the characters was a dominatrix. So she asked me if I would do a talk, a question and answer thing after the play, which I did, which went really well. So now we're talking about doing a... Um, a tour of an evening with Mistress Sophia, which I'm really keen to do. I think it would be fun. And as well as being fun, it would educate the vanilla population because, unfortunately, because we're, um, we're labelled as sex workers, the vanilla population just assume we have sex and you couldn't be further from the truth. You know, a, a, a kind of all-encompassing dom doesn't you know we're not we're not sexual in that way so um and that's one of the things that's one of the reasons I was happy to do the um documentaries as well because it gets that across that there is more understanding about what we are and what we're not sure so just to make it clear so for you, it's it's not a sexual thing at all, but for the, I mean, sometimes for the subs or the slaves, for them it, it does kind of go in that direction? Yeah, because, you know, males, they're ruled by their genitalia. So whatever they're doing here, there's always some sort of sexual connotation. A lot that come to me, they, they're in chastity anyway, so it doesn't arise, no pun intended. Um <laughs> And so occasionally, if I think they deserve it, I'll allow them to have an orgasm. But it's it, I make it absolutely clear, that's not done by me. That's done by them. I might control it, but um, I don't touch in that way. If I do CBT, it's painful. It's punishment. It's not, um, I don't give pleasure <laughs> in that way. I guess it's perspective too, right? Like, Pain, pleasure. <laughs> well, they're so close that, you know, yeah. a real mass kit to them, pain is pleasure. Yeah. What's the strangest request you've ever got? I suppose, yeah, the strangest, and it's still the strangest, is, I mean, I've done sploshing a couple of times, which was a bit strange, and I'm not sure I'd want to do it again because it's, I mean, he did bring a big plastic one of these decorating sheets and put it down but you know I, I had to throw custard and beans and all sorts at him and <laughs> I didn't find it very and then he thought he was going to use my bathroom to have a shower well absolutely not that's my family 
you know, my family's space. So he wasn't banking on having to drive two hours home covered in baked beans and custard. <laughs> but he did. So spl- sploshing basically is it where you just kind of tip? Yeah, you just throw food. Yeah. And then another one was the, and he's got a thing about mermaids. So he bring, brings a paddling pool and um, his mermaid tails. He's got about 10. And then he chooses, slips one on, sits in the pool, flapping his tail. And I walk about with a cane, telling him what an idiot he looks. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a really nice day at work, I've got to say. It's good fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what what kind of people do you usually attract? Like, who are these people coming in with these requests? There is no typical type. It can be, I've got a high court judge, I've got a window cleaner, um, surgeons, doctors, teachers. You know, you'd be surprised. But they keep it very quiet uh, because it's just not really acceptable. And I don't know why. Because they're not harming anybody. They could be doing a lot worse. They just have little kinks. You know, if a judge comes in and and looks all stressful, he's had, you know, he's got a lot on his plate and um, he wants to come in and put a little pink frilly dress on and and dust with a feather duster, I'm not going to judge, you know, because when he leaves, he's smiling. They like, he's given all of that stress over onto me and um, is being told what to do, and he loves it. How do you find that? Because, you know, you hear it a lot in, like, the adult industry where a lot of the time it's, like, basically you are a therapist. Is that true to you? I very, very much agree with that. Uh, not in the normal term of being a therapist where because, obviously, you know, you train. and But in 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 my world... We are as close to being a therapist. I mean, I do, I, I offer judicials and my judicials are, are real, real time. So if somebody books a judicial, they'll come here and, and the first thing I need to know is why they think they deserve a judicial. So if, um, if like I've got a couple of alcoholics that are now, they've tried AA, they've tried everything and they... I was a last resort. So we have a, a really good talk first and then I, I cane them judicially. There's no safe word. They take what I think they deserve. Well, one of mine, he hasn't had a drink now for nearly a year. He's got his children back at weekends. It, so it works. It, it, it really works. There are all sorts of different aspects like um, a gambler, even somebody who couldn't stop stealing cars. Um, and he doesn't anymore, which sometimes I think maybe they should bring corporal punishment back. And I also get wives that send their husbands to me to be caned <laughs> because they, I've got one that comes from Ireland. He flies over a couple of times a year um, when his wife says, you need taking down a peg or two. <laughs> she doesn't want to actually do it herself, so he comes to me. That's incredible. And I've got another that um, he always played with his wife for about 30 years and now she's got um, a progressive uh, condition and she can't play anymore. So she said she didn't want him to lose out. So she 
said he could go to a mistress as long as she chose the mistress. And she chose me. So he comes to me, we have a session, I film it, and then I send it to her. So she still has the enjoyment of watching, though she can't participate. So, wow. you know, there's a lot more to it than... Uh, and it's there are so many that come to me that are on antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and they're not anymore because they've had to keep it almost like in the closet, you know, can't talk about it they can't talk about it with their partners because a lot of partners wouldn't understand they come to me once a month and that gets them through to the next time they come covid was was dreadful in that respect in the fact that they couldn't do anything their their partners were there all the time and they they really struggled because they couldn't visit and they couldn't expel all that that builds up in them you know I mean, like you've just pointed out with, I guess you've got clients with all of them have their own needs as humans, you know, all individual with different circumstances. How does it work? Like if someone books for the first time, do you have like a consultation? You talk about everything that you want to go through, safe words. How does all that stuff work? Well, if somebody gets in touch with me and they haven't been before, the first thing I would do is um, tell them to send me a list of their kinks because there's no point in somebody booking and me booking them in, then walking in and me beating the crap out of him because I he might not be into that. So I need to have just, you know, and sometimes you think, well, it's like topping from the bottom because they're telling me what they want. But if it, there's no way around that, because if they didn't, then um, they probably they wouldn't come back because I could have done something they'd they're not into. So they send me the list and then I take it from there. When they come in, we have a we do have a talk. Obviously, are there any health issues? If they want a safe word, if they're going to be caned or, or, or have pain, then I'm happy to give them a safe word. But I do stipulate that if they use the safe word, uh, this is how I work, then the session is finished. But I do say to them, I love to hear, I beg you, mistress. Well, that gives them a kind of get out, because if they say, I beg you, mistress, that I love that. So I'll say, OK, you said it. And so I'll stop and do something else. But if they, but sometimes they're in such a panic, they blurt out the safe word. Of course, then they're gone. Wow. <laughs> oh. Does it affect your personal life at all? Because I can imagine... I mean, if you've got you've got the playroom in your house, I guess you've talked about how your kids are all really open, which is amazing. What about like family and friends, generally dating? All my family are 100% supportive. My son that's at home now and my daughter, they've both got um, relationships and their partners are fine with it. Uh, there's... No, I've never come across a problem. I don't really date because I'm, you know, I can't be bothered now. I go out, I'll go out for dinner sometimes. I go out with um, my lifestyle slave for, for dinner and that works well because I haven't got to think at the end of the day, oh God, you know, here we go, touchy-feely. I don't, I'm not interested. I've done all that. I've been married three times. I'm in my 70s now. I'm happy. I'm happily single. To be honest, if I if I have dated in the in the past, 
all they want to talk about is what I do. Uh, and, you know, that's like a Buckman holiday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, because you were actually on first dates twice. I I didn't see the second one until just before this interview, but oh, you, you're... <laughs> you saw Gollum. <laughs> is it, so was, oh so the first... The first one was he was awful. If if you wouldn't mind, could could you tell us kind of what happened in that situation? And then the second one seemed lovely. <laughs> yeah, the first one, um, he he was arrogant, disrespectful, up his own ass. Um, I mean, they edited such a lot, and in the end, they took me out to the um, tech room. Uh, just to, with the excuse that my mic wasn't working, just to say, tell him what you do. And I said, I can't get a word in. So then they took him out and obviously said, ask her what she does. So he sat down and said, what do you do then? Um, but apart, before that, he'd spent about half an hour just talking about himself, how great he was, how he's this and that. He was so rude as well. I mean, when I went to the toilet, I don't know if you <laughs> saw that part where Sam, the waiter, went over and, and he said... Uh, She's besotted with me. She's good to go. I mean, what the hell was that supposed to mean? And when we had the, the last bit, which was um, the last interview, I'd already told the producer, she said, um, what do you think? He's very nice, isn't he? I said, you're absolutely not. He's a bloody nightmare. Um, and she said, oh, I think he's just shy. I said, he's not. He's, you're seeing somebody different. And... Um, and so she'd already asked me if I would come back and do it again. And I said, yeah, probably. In fact, I did go back and we did it all in one weekend. But he then sat and he said, well, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Can I come back and have another crack at it? And I and she looked at me and I saw the pennies drop, that he was arrogant. He was a buffoon. He was. And when they said, do you want to see each other again? He put his hand on my knee and said, yeah, let's do this. And I said, no, let's not. And when he said plenty more fish in the sea, I said, well, there isn't, is there? Because otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> and of course, afterwards, he thought, oh, I can't wait to get home now. I can't wait to go. He was just, but the second one was lovely. And um, we did meet for lunch, but there was no spark. But we, we had nice lunches together. And then somebody approached him in Sainsbury's and said they'd seen him on first dates and they're living together now. So that ended well. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so nice. Because he was he was a, a diver or something, wasn't he? Scuba diver. That's or something. right. Yeah. And when I said to him, uh, because they'd said, "Don't say what you do straight away," so I left it a while, and then I said, "Well, oh God," I said, "We better address the the horse in the room." <laughs> yeah, and I right, said, yeah. "That's not right, is it?" Everybody was sending messages about all oh, the horse in the room. But anyway, and then I told him I was a dominatrix. And he said, well, I've got something to tell you. I've had knee replacements. And I thought, <laughs> it's hardly on the thing. <laughs> but he was, he was very nice. He didn't, he didn't ridicule what I do. You know, he was a nice man. I didn't even go on there looking for a partner Again, my daughter, I came home from uh, where I'd been and she said, oh, I've put you in for first dates. And I said, well, what did you say I do? And she said, I said, you're a dominatrix. So I said, well, that's that then, isn't it? And the next day they found me. <laughs> so 
maybe it was because it was just something different. Yeah, it's a great storyline. Like it's interesting. And <laughs> I think like you said, um, it, it's it's also really good for the vanilla folk out there to to meet someone like yourself who is lovely and yeah, there's not some big scary thing about it. Like it's it's yeah. People have kinks, people have interesting jobs. It, I think it was really it's it's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mentioned before about your lifestyle slave. I came across him because of the Romanian cooking show that we spoke about earlier and you introduced I think the judges were really interested by him. What does <laughs> yeah. that mean? How does that start? Because was he a, a, a slave or a sub to you before, like paying, and then he crossed over to the? Yeah, um, he he came as as a session, and several times, and I saw something in him. Um, I'd lost a lifestyle because um, his wife had got ill, so he couldn't come anymore, and um, and I just so I put it to him how he'd feel about it. And best thing I ever did. He's absolutely fantastic. I would never trade him in. In fact, he's so good. I left him to my daughter in my will. <laughs> so that's how that's how good he is. What is he exactly? Like, how does it work? He comes probably most weekends and stays here. He does all my work. Any DIY I need doing, any cleaning. Um, but I've got three. So I've got another one who's a sissy who comes and does cleaning. And um, and then I've got one who um, I've just taken on because he's got a business brain and um, he's compiling a book of my feet and pictures of me. Um, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> wow. I, I can just imagine. I feel like you would have like an immaculate house. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> you mentioned before how you were a, a chef for a while, I read. Was it? Were you also a hairdresser at one point? Yes, years ago, um, I was a hairdresser. My mother had a salon, so I I did that. But I went to modelling school, so my mum said that she wanted me to qualify in hairdressing first. So I did that, did my apprenticeship, and then I went to London. I went to modelling school, and I did that for a while, and. Um, yeah, I've done all sorts. <laughs> Amazing. How do you, I mean, personally, I'm someone that I feel like I don't regret anything that's happened. I think everything's kind of worked out how it's meant to. But if you had your time again, would you have started being a dominatrix earlier or are you you're happy with how it's played out? Um, yeah, I I would like to have started earlier because, you know, I mean, I don't want to get morbid, but... Um, I, these are the happiest years for me. And, um, I do sometimes think how many more have I got because I'm in my seventies and there's so much I still want to do and will I have time to do it? So that, that's the reason, that's the only reason I can't, I can't, um, regret my second two marriages because I had my first son and I had my two youngest ones with with both of those the first marriage was yeah I do regret that I suppose because it was an unhappy time uh, but if I'm honest my, my adult life hasn't been particularly happy until my later later life 
really. I, I don't blame anybody except myself. I made bad choices. But I've got my children who are everything to me. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm so happy that you have found that happiness. That's so lovely and obviously very well deserved. What's your favourite thing about the job? What do you love about it? I I love the adoration. I, uh, you know, how many how many women can say in their seventies that they have men that just fall on their knees and kiss their feet and want to worship and adore them and call them goddess? You know, um, it's I. I used to be a, a a wallflower, a wilting violet, whatever you want to call it. Um, and now I'm more confident than I've ever been in my life. Um, and it's down to, and I care for them. Um, no, I mean, I'm happy to knock 10 bells of whatever out of them. But if there's any problem emotionally or, you know, mentally, then they know they can come to me and uh, um, I, I always have time for them. So, um, so yeah, it's not all about whips and chains. <laughs> Sherry, just quickly, so I'm hearing some sounds. It sounds like it might be a dog. <laughs> you don't have a lifestyle slave there yeah. at the moment. <laughs> no, I'm going to open the door and let her out but um, because I'm just hoping that um, she won't go out and bark. But she's scratching and that's as bad. So let's see how we go. Um, what do I love about the job? You know, it's brought out so much confidence in me. Whereas when I was married, because it was not a happy marriage, I kind of um, went into a shell and that's... I would never be treated like that again. No man would ever get the better of me. It's changed me and all my children say I've changed so much and for the better I'm a different person now and I love me I love that you did mention it before but you said so there's no plans to retire at this point no I'd like to go on till I'm about 80 as long as I can still wield a cane then yeah I think possibly around about 80 because if I retire oh here we go here we go. I swear, is that Chris? <laughs> my, my dogs, they, they're usually in on every session. They, they're, they're very concerned if I'm caning. Mabel, I'll shut the door because she'll stop then. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no stress at all. So, so retiring wise, you, you're thinking you want to go to, into your eighties? Yeah, I think so. As long as I'm healthy and I can still, you know, do what I do in a, the best of my ability, I'll carry on. Yeah. Well, you've got plenty of years ahead of you, then, by the sounds of it. Hopefully, hopefully. For anyone who is considering going down that route uh, career-wise, do you have any advice for them? Um, the main advice I would say is always play safely. It's paramount. Don't take any chances. Don't do anything that you, you might think, is this going to 
damage him permanently. If you if you even have to think about that, then don't do it. And you know, be respectful. I know we're doms, but you know, at the end of the day, they're still human beings. Now they might ask for a session where you degrade them, where you humiliate them, and that's absolutely fine as long as that's what they're into. But if they're not into that. Don't do it. Wise words from the absolute legend that is Sherry Lever, the UK's oldest dominatrix. How great is she? Like we covered in the episode, Sherry's done a bunch of documentaries and TV shows. She's also written some books. If you want to find Sherry on socials or find out more about her, maybe you want to purchase one of these books, all her contact details are in the show notes, as are mine. So if you would like me to speak to someone in particular or perhaps cover a topic you'd like to know more about, please get in touch. And if you're enjoying the Withmon podcast so far, it would be absolutely unreal if you could rate and review this series wherever you're listening, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As an independent one-woman show, this really helps get the series out there, which means hopefully I can get more fabulous guests and investigate more marvellous moments and topics from this wonderful, wonderful world. That's it from me for now. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. My name's Monica O'Hanlon, and that was the With Mon podcast. I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.